Did you see the stylish kids in the riot? Shoveled up like mocks, said the night on fire, wombles bleed. Truncheons and shields, you know I cherish you, my love. Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. It is episode 101. It is the 19th of March, and we've got a huge show for you guys coming up. We are going to be talking to Dr. Bella DeBerra again. Uh, how many times has she been on the show this year? Thousands. Yes, and still not enough, but we're going to be talking to her about what she saw at the uh, Children's Climate Change protests mm-hmm. last Friday, and uh, we're going to learn, Pete and I are going to go to school for a little bit, and mm-hmm. we're going to learn about speciesism. Dr. Bella teaching us stuff all the time dropping the knowledge and we are also going to be talking to ipa research fellow gideon rosner so dr peter ridd's trial is coming up huge story and uh we're going to be talking to him about that because he was uh yeah gideon is casting his uh eye on that and making sure everything's going uh up to his standards so we're going to be getting the scoop from gideon plus a huge new video of course from the ipa on peter ridd indeed uh so that's all coming up in the show so tons to look forward to there but can i ask you something james no okay are you all right? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> so explain to the listeners what you've been doing for the last few days. Uh, so I was at Adelaide Fringe. So thank you for all the people that came out to see Improv Attacks Humanity. You also come to Melbourne Comedy Festival. So uh, keep your eye on that for people living in Melbourne. Um, and yeah, suffice to say that uh, the Adelaide Fringe is a good scene. And uh, I would like a warm cup of cocoa right now. And I want someone to read me a bedtime story. And I want it to be about dragons, but it's not allowed to be too scary. James has walked in. <laughs> To the podcast today, he's walked in. His body's turned up, but his yeah. soul <laughs> Soul's hasn't. Somewhere in Adelaide, that's all right. He'll I do was his at best. a show called Seance, and I got possessed by a demon. So yeah. maybe that's where my soul is. Yeah. So who, who is to say where my soul is? But that's maybe, right. Yeah. Now, but I'm I mean, summoning like, because I'm a hero. I'm summoning all the energy to yeah. give you guys a podcast you deserve. You're a brave podcaster. Thank now, you. do you notice anything about, different about me today, James? Um. There's a black t-shirt on, <laughs> which I wear every single stubble, week. and a healthy disposition. Well, uh, I'm not seeing too much different. James, what you might not have noticed is today I've got my computer. Oh, okay. Seeing Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan does it with the computer. Normally yep. I do some handwritten notes on the back of a poster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's coming from the Ben Franklin school. He's got the notepad around. He's walking around. So this should be pretty good. I got my computer. Yep. Get excited. Pete, Pete finally catching up to the 21st century. Long overdue, but uh, as long as you're here, Pete. Well, it's all, all charged up. Ready <laughs> to go. Ah, uh, my kingdom to have that catch on fire the second you said it was all charged up. But anyway, we don't have it. But uh, let's start with an actual news story. Let's bring some order into this podcast. And Pete, would you like to tell us about the climate protests that we're talking with Dr. Bella de Berra about? Absolutely. So last Friday, I'll just give you a little bit of background because we do go into this with Dr. Bella. Uh, tens of thousands of young Australians walked out of their classrooms to stage protests in capital cities demanding action on climate change. Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, Canberra and Hobart, uh, the protests were held outside state parliament buildings and town halls. Last Friday, also regional centres like Geelong, Byron Bay, Coffs Harbour, Cairns and Townsville. Um, Frida, I'll read you a quote from one of the protesters. Frida Elliott, 15, said she did not care whether her school supported her presence at the Hobart rally. We're told we shouldn't be missing class by our teachers, but there's nothing they can do about it. And they've taken a step back and realised the power we have here, she said. It's pretty terrifying. Yep, um, <laughs> absolutely. So that's the facts of the story. All right, let's get into analysis. Now, let's my into main point... Analysis is... Um, Strong word. Is optimistic? Yep. (laughs) Now, my main point is I don't actually uh, have a whole lot of gears to grind with the children themselves. Um, You know, we're going to be talking about this with Bella later in the show, but as Bella says, like, these people are told from prep that uh, the climate change is a a humanitarian crisis, Uh, things are going to be 
over in 12 years time if we don't get off our butts and do something and you know uh credit to the kids like protesting is a part of democracy it's not my scene surely but you know it is a thing so at least they're giving a grab and they are being told these things so like what i don't like are the teachers and the parents that are actively encouraging students to miss class to do this mm-hmm. so there was a principal that drove 40 kids to the climate change protest by himself yeah uh and then you know i'm sure he didn't want to be interviewed about it <laughs> but uh, he did agree to an interview about it talking about how important it is to him to do it and at that point i just go like as an educator are you concerned with educating or are you concerned with going viral on the internet for being a progressive thought leader that's right being a social activist rather than an instructor yes as bella put it in her article in yeah, australia like on friday you, your job is to teach that's right which is tough yeah, you might care very passionately passionately about climate change, but your job is to teach, and surely you want children to learn. That's right. Well, I'm like you, James. I don't care that they skipped, you know, he who has not sinned and all that. Uh, I just think they're wrong. Um, one of the most, you know, obviously, if you, so obviously some of the things they're asking for are 100% renewable electricity yep. like now. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a very good idea. I don't think it helps people very much. Uh, one of the most annoying things i found about these middle-class protests these days are the so-called humorous banners yeah, that um, are just so hilariously funny. Did you see some children had an emoji of the angry face? Yep. Yeah. Did you see how funny. 40% of the protesters gave a grade to the politicians? Oh. Because they're school yeah, students like reversing the... Yep. School and then politicians. <laughs> um, grades. So did you see? I did miss... I did, I, as I did say... Sorry, this computer's fine. It's a bit difficult for oh, me to start off. Oh, there <laughs> we go. up and down a bit. And there it's like we go. Normally, Pete. there's more words because I was typing, so it's harder. Anyway, just getting used to it. Uh, where were the nuclear reactor? You know one of my standing policies is nuclear reactors for everyone. Yep. For every single every single child in this country yep. should have a nuclear reactor. In their backpack. Because it's it's uh, emissions. I don't know if it's emissions. Free, but it's low emissions and it's... It is the so anyway, best way forward. Like, if you really care about climate change, you really want to low, lower emissions and also want to make sure the poor people can afford electricity. Yep. Nuclear power. That's right. I can't stress this one enough. And as I ask Bella about um, where were the Trump posters, you know, they've lowered emissions in America since yep. he got elected, which uh, is not the case in the EU or China. No, not at all. Um, so there's that. All right, I'll move on to another story. So, yeah, we are going to be talking about that with Dr. Bella Debrera, who was at the scene. In Melbourne on Friday. Very suspicious. Very suspicious. Why was she away from the office on a beautiful Friday afternoon? Who, who can speculate as to why? Hoost. Uh, Hoost can speculate. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, kids being caught up in scandal over in America, uh, it has come out that William Rick Singer did, uh, did a bad thing. So basically he was running a syndicate where rich people could pay this guy to fake their kids, their, their dumb kids' SAT scores. <laughs> they might not have been dumb. <laughs> well, like, every child is precious, James. Every child is precious. Uh, so, but anyway, rich parent pays this guy to fake their child's SAT scores mm-hmm. to make sure they get into college. That's right. And it's a big scandal. Like a whole lot of students have been caught up in this. Uh, some famous kids as well. People were paying up to $6 million to get their kid into college. Oh, yeah. And now the things come out of like, oh, rich people are gaming the system. The American college education system is broken mm-hmm. and policy change needs to be done. Now, I don't want to say something really too shocking right here. Okay. But uh, if if it's news to you that rich people are gaming the system to get their dumbass kids into oh. college, 
then uh, I don't know what to tell you. I think we're allowed to say ass on the podcast, so that's that, that should be fine. Um, <laughs> run it through the senses. Well, true. And they also were paying this guy of Edge College and Career Network, is the name of the organisation, to uh, exaggerate their athletic performance. So get athletic coaches to say that they were really good at footy or whatever. And Yeah, and Photoshop photos of them into sporting uh, achievements. So pretty, pretty funny. Uh, well-connected parents, including Hollywood stars, a $5 billion lawsuit filed by a parent in the California Superior Court this week, uh, accused 45, def- uh, what are they called, defendants? Yeah. So a lot of Hollywood uh, people, I think it's hypocritical that all these Hollywood uh, morality police tell uh, the rest of the country how to behave, and yet, lo and behold, this is how that they run things. Never would have suspected it's never happened before. It's never happened before. Be so hypocritical with that sort of stuff. Uh, and it's also funny that these universities that punish people for their race when they admit people, yeah, in the name of morality, yeah, also kind of drop that when a huge wad of cash is dropped in their face. Yeah, and like this brings it to uh, the people that are saying like the system's broken. We need to re uh, restructure the system. And like I'm saying, like you know, people are going to find a way to break any system you do. Mm-hmm. And this is. So embarrassing for the unis involved. Oh yeah, to fall for this. It's like kid gets straight D's the whole way through high school, pulls out an SAT score that gets him into college. Yeah, and apparently, like, I wonder if this is any way connected to that giant donation our uh, <laughs> head of admissions just got. That's right. That yeah. seems weird. We shouldn't look into that. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd have to think after this that there'll be some changes made to the way they let people in. Yeah, tell us about the Pew Research Centre poll, James. Well, so this is uh, an interesting one. So it's. Uh, 538 released an article talking about like what do Americans value when it comes to uh, admissions into college. So mm-hmm. uh, is it background? Is it diversity? Apparently not. So high school grades are far and away the major factor that people think should de- determine whether or not someone gets an university. That is an outlandish outcome. Yeah. And only 19% of respondents thought gender and only about uh, 25% of respondents thought race or ethnicity. Race or ethnicity should be factors in whether or not people should get into college. I, I, I'm absolutely flabbergasted that the majority of people support a merit-based system. Yeah. Who would have thought it in a country like America? Hoomst. Hoomst. Right. I'm putting a ban on the word hoomst until I find it funny again, which <laughs> might be five minutes and it might be next show. Well. But it is a funny word. Unfortunately, James, you don't make the rules around here, mate. I, I am the sheriff of this podcast and I will be treated as such. Should we talk about James Gunn? Well, as you've come to the sheriff's office and I've allowed it. All right, so James Gunn, <laughs> uh, you guys might creepy. remember last year. That oh, no, this is, oh, yeah, to you, sorry. Yeah. JB. <laughs> this is why I'm the sheriff and you're not. Uh, James Gunn last year, uh, he was the director of Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, maybe just one of them. But anyway, sure. so big time director. Whatever. Uh, what? <laughs> He's in movies. Pete, <laughs> not a fan of movies or entertainment in general. Since the Mighty Ducks, that was the greatest. Pete, Pete declared there were no more movies to be made. No more stories left to tell. Uh, all right, so James Gunn, uh, he was a director of Guardians of the Galaxy, and then he was going to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Someone unearthed, unearthed a lot of bad tweets from his past, and he got fired until... Uh, he's this week has been reinstated as the director of the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Now... This is interesting because we're coming into an age where the second anyone finds anything wrong that you've done in the past, Mm -hmm. you are immediately stripped of all title and rank and you are cast out into the wild. Kevin Hart at the Oscars being the thing. Now, this to me is the first time this has been reversed, where someone has been fired for bad tweets and then gets back into the good books. Well, this is what used to happen. Yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 years ago because of the process of apology and growing as a person and going like maybe these tweets aren't as funny as I thought they were 10 years ago. Every time a footy player did something stupid. Yeah. 
Um, so he didn't rob the petrol station. Yeah. Castle. A lot of, what a movie. Yes, but <laughs> anyway, uh, but this seems to be since the first like uh, this puritanical way the Twitter is right now, where someone has been reinstated after their tweets have been resurfaced. Yeah, and this is a good thing. It's a good I'm thing. It. I'm a little bit uh, conflicted because on the one hand, I think it's a good thing, as you said. I also think he probably shouldn't have got the sack in the first place for mm. stuff he'd written on Twitter ten years ago. Yeah, when no one knew what Twitter was and no one knew what social media was. Yeah, and few people knew who James Gunn was. Yeah. And his job was to be an edgy comedian. But anyway, he did get the sack. But the thing about this, which makes me a little bit, um, which might raise a few questions in my mind. Yes, is that this guy's a massive lefty, right? Mm-hmm. And he only got let back in because it was perceived that he got uh, this muckraking took place on the on the on the part of right wing activists yes. to find these tweets and to bring someone down. Yeah. So based on that, we're going to let him back into the fold. Right. But, well, you guys don't apply that logic when the shoe's on the other foot. Yes. Like like as if you guys don't. I mean, the the left wing muckraking machine is massive. Yeah. So. So I get what you're saying. I just think it's baby steps as a society from pure puritanical to there seems to be some level of redemption now. Well, that's And cute. hopefully it gets to a point where people will – like there's always going to be people looking for old tweets because they think it's funny, but mm-hmm. it might not be terrible Yeah, anymore. That's right. That's well, my hope. I think, I think you know, the punters out there are sick of it. Yeah. And, um, and we're going to get into a pretty good story of this later in the show. We are. Yes. All right. Uh, do you have anything more, Pete? No, nah, look, that's good. Let's – that's good for that. All right, cool. Uh, now, so that brings us to a pretty good, pretty cool announcement from us here at the IPA. So, long-time listeners of the show. We're doing Brexit? Oh, yeah, we are doing Brexit. Sorry, I didn't that, have that written down. No worries. Uh, announce it to the long-time listeners of the IPA yeah. what Brexit's about. <laughs> Me and James are leaving the EU. No, um, <laughs> so we had just... But we are still competing in Eurovision. That's right. Our like family Austra- poker band. Australia does anyway, so... No, uh, Brexit, obviously, this morning, the, the House Speaker in the UK, so uh, quite significant development happened. The House Speaker blocked Theresa May from having a third vote on Brexit as the deal isn't significantly different from the last vote. Right. So you're allowed to have three votes... Right, but yep. but there's this long-standing convention since like 1604, where what a year, well, what a year that was. Yeah, it was the good old days um, when you know you can't vote on the same bill if it's the same as, you know, pretty much exactly the same. So it was unexpected that this guy John Burko, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I might not be, B E R C O W. Uh, it was un- it was unexpected that he was going to invoke this, but he did which means that uh, May now has to go back to the EU. She's got 11 days before they're meant to leave um, to ask for either a short extension or a long extension. Um, if it's a short extension, that's that's fine. They'll just have to come up with another deal, which the EU might you know help her come up with something that's slightly different so they can vote on it again. The EU, by the way, the most helpful organisation. Well, Brexit. allegedly there's some sources that are saying they're going to do that, but or a long extension would mean that the EU uh, – the UK has to compete in fresh EU elections, which will cost $100 million. Uh, so to break the deadlock, there might be new elections, there might be a new referendum, or maybe the EU, as I said, will come up with some, help them come up with something different. So the road, the, the party rolls on, James. Does. Do we, uh, in your expert analysis, Pete, are we closer or further away from no-deal Brexit? Well, they did. They rejected a no-deal Brexit during the week since but, our last show. Yeah. Which is... But if they can't get something done in 10 days' time, I don't think they have a choice. Um, the EU, I think, is expected to give them an extension. Damn it. But it can still happen. I don't know. That it's still possible. That, I mean, all options are still on the table. Right. I don't understand why the Queen doesn't just come up on on her balcony and say, oh, we're out. Mm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yep. Press conference over. So, 
We're saw out. a lot of confused pod- confused tourists taking photos of the. Wait, what'd she say? Yeah, we're out and then just back in to the wave and, and then uh, just a brief appearance on a Liam Fox podcast to just get the X's and O's sorted out. That's right. And then uh, then we're out of. Wow, there. that's I mean that's the po- that bring back more of that. That's what we yeah. need. Just like with all the money we would save through all these ex- extensions and referendums. Uh, exactly we just right. need a few Liam, po- Fo- Liam Fox podcasts. That's right. So as I said, the no deal, my policy, another one of my stated policies on the podcast is no deal, no worries. Yep. Again, so it is tattooed on your chest. That you do is, refer to it often. Uh, threatened a little bit mm-hmm. during the week. It's sort of looking like, lo and behold, a thing I said might not be true. <laughs> I never thought I'd live to see the day. All right, cool. So this brings me to uh, the IPA's big announcement. So long-time listeners of the show might remember last year, maybe, yeah, last year, that we had Professor Mark Bowerline on the show telling us about identity politics in great works of literature. One of the best interviews we've ever done. Mm. Go back through the records and find it if you haven't listened to it already. And the great works of literature. Yeah. um, Being taught at universities. Yeah, yeah. And he gave us like this whole reading list and stuff like that. It was really, really fun. How many have you read? uh, I thought about reading some of them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Then there's more. Um, All right. Sorry. Let's get into it because Mark Bowerline is coming here to Australia uh, with his lecture series, Why the Words of Western Civilization Must Endure. Uh, it is going to be in Melbourne on the 8th of April, Brisbane in the t- on the 10th of April, and Sydney on the 11th of April. So go to ipa.org.au, get your tickets now. This is going to be a great event. We'll hopefully get him back on the show as well. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> it might be. That's the most heartfelt you've ever They been. might put him on the other, the Looking Forward podcast because no. they've read some of the books yes he said, hopefully we'll double up us three yeah i read i've read some he of goes the to looking forward and gets a highbrow conversations that he wants mm. and then he comes on to us and just you know gets a little we got to reverse it we got to get him feeling good and then he goes on to things so we start mm. with us go to looking forward then do the lectures here that's right i've been reading crescendo it. i've been reading the gulag archipelago oh tough going yeah not um i'm ooh, just to be honest my computer yep <laughs> uh yeah been really struggling with this uh the geographical alignment of having a computer is, is completely thrown off his chakras. No, it's not a, <laughs> it's not a, uh, it's not a light read. No, it's not light. It's quite long as well. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so that is it for the start of the show. We now go to interviews with Bella and Gideon. Uh, but before we do, head on over to ipa.org.au, see all the things that the IPA has been up to this week. And uh, you'll have to go to the Instagram page for the main one, but go check out Bella Debrera on the scene at the climate protests. It is a very good watch. That is on our Instagram page. Uh, you can also read Bella in the Australian and immediately she put out about the climate protest. That's also on our website. And make sure you're tuning into Looking Forward, uh, the IPA's weekly podcast, taking a deeper look at the issues. And uh, it's a really, really great listen with Dr. Chris Berg and Scott Hargraves. Last week, they had John Roskam, IPA executive director and friend of the show on the 100th episode. So you would have heard him last week. And Dimitri Berstein, a uh, contributor to the Catalaxy Files blog. So if you found that blog, head on down and listen. They had a really great conversation. Uh, and uh, Nina, if people like what we do here at the IPA and they want to support the podcast and maybe uh, become a member of the IPA, what can they do to do that? Well, just visit the website, ipa.org.au, and click on the join button if you like to become a member or you have someone you know that you likes to become a member and starting as low as $22 per year you can become one of the loudest boys of freedom in Australia. Very cool, let's go to those interviews now. 
Okay, we're now welcome back on to the show, IPA Director of Policy, Gideon Rosner. Welcome back. Thanks, James. Great to be here. All right, very cool. Now, let's get straight into it, straight I reckon, into it. because you've had a big week and you're still having a pretty big week. A big series of weeks, yeah. yes. Uh, so, Dr. Peter read the trial. It's coming up. We have a video coming out today on all of the IPA social media channels and through our website. Uh, do you want to first talk to us about what Dr. Peter Reid has been through. So Dr. Peter Reid is uh, an academic at the at James Cook University in Townsville and has been there for almost 40 years, if you include the time he was a doctoral uh, fel- uh, uh, PhD student, uh, then went on to become the head of physics, uh, has supervised a whole suite of PhD students, has won PhD supervisor of the year, really had a very, very successful and distinguished academic career as a marine geophysicist and has been studying the reef for over three decades, you know, longer than I've been alive, uh, longer than any of us have. And so the trouble he ran, <laughs> maybe not Pete, um, <laughs> the tr- um, he might have been writing his PhD thesis longer than you have. The trouble he ran into was when he started to speak out against the popular orthodoxy that the Great Barrier Reef was being, so you know, quite killed by climate by climate change. You know, we all see on the news footage of bleached the appearance of bleached white corals that have supposedly been put that way because of the, the warming of the temperatures in the ocean. Uh, the popular narrative is that if we don't do something about climate change, then you know Barack Obama's daughters, for example, as he famously said, won't be able to come down and see the reef when they're older. Peter Reid basically has said a few things. One, he said that the white bleaching effect of the, of the corals on the Great Barrier Reef, it's actually not a sign that the reef is dying. It's actually a natural process for corals to go through. Um, but secondly, that the science that is indicating that climate change is in fact killing the Great Barrier Reef is not being properly tested, it's not being properly verified and the and above all it's actually leading to a lot of policy decisions that have far reaching implications. It's leading to the closure of certain industries in North Queensland, it's leading to billions of dollars being spent on saving the reef that may not in fact need to be saved. And also it's a killer for tourism because there's so many articles saying the Great Barrier Reef is dead, so you don't know how many people are like just deciding not to come to Queensland if, because they don't think they're going to see it anymore. Well, well, that's right, and that's something that Peter Reid says. I mean, he is an environmentalist. He's a nature lover. Uh, he has said in the interview that I had with him that he's sick of seeing this narrative that the reef is dying, which is absolutely untrue. It's one of the most, prist- according to Peter, it's one of the most pristine ecosystems in the world, maybe second to Antarctica. So... Where Peter Reid ran into trouble is when he started speaking out on uh, on the popular science surrounding the Great Barrier Reef, including in the IPA's publication, Climate Change, The Facts 2017, on Sky News, on the Alan Jones show, he said similar things. Beginning then, he started to be receive warnings from his employer, James Cook University, that he was being uncollegiate towards his colleagues that did go along with the zeitgeist on the Great Barrier Reef. He started receiving uh, letters from HR consultants working for the university. He started being drawn into private counselling sessions with university administrators. He was directed not to talk about what was going on uh, to anybody else. So in effect, it created what you could call a star chamber-like dynamic. And it does strike me that uh, science is a process of discovery and testing Correct. rather than just uh, going along with whatever's being said. Correct. I Correct. didn't realise that you could... Um you could sue your colleagues for being uncollegiate. Well, that, that was in the in the <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. Why would you tell them that? It, it's, Why would you tell people? I'm that? sorry to break it to you, Pete. It's not a, it's not a point of law. It's actually a code of conduct that the JCU um, 
had in place. It was an internal rule. So unfortunately for you and me, the IPA doesn't have any rules against uncollegiate conduct, to my <laughs> knowledge. So we can be uncollegiate all we like. But I guess that's the whole point. We are an institution where we do you know, frequently argue among ourselves. We do frequently have policy debates internally. That's yeah. healthy. That's good. Do Richmond need another key forward? <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah, the, the big the hot issues facing Australia. Uh, so... Yeah, so Peter Reid goes through all of that and it's still not looking too great, which would explain the trial coming up later this month. So what happened was Peter Reid was eventually cancelled. He actually refused to toe the line. He continued to speak out and after years of warnings, censures and absurd gag orders, um, like I mentioned, he was actually you know made to walk the plank sometime in late 2018. Now he's suing for reinstatement, among other things, uh, and and it's a very important fight because his his enterprise bargaining agreement, his effectively his employment contract, guarantees him academic freedom. He's allowed to say what he likes within his field of expertise. He's allowed to speak out publicly under that guise. It actually, to the credit of the National Tertiary Education Union, which drafted the EBA to begin with, um, they built those academic freedom clauses into the contract. And a what, big hello to the union movement, who are friends of the podcast. Well, well I, I'm not a, not a great fan of them, but in this case, the, the NTU are doing what they should be doing, which is standing up for their members and guaranteeing their right to speak freely. What JCU are trying to do is argue that their code of conduct, which you know includes things like not being collegiate, like respecting the integrity and the reputation of the university, actually trumps that academic freedom clause, which is a very dangerous thing because all Peter Ridd was doing was taking issue with shoddy science. That may very well impugn the reputation of the university, but if their science is lousy, their reputation actually deserves to be impugned. I mean, there's no way to disagree with your colleagues without potentially compromising the reputation of the university. So it's a very, very dangerous dynamic because we're seeing increasingly universities aren't concerned about the, the search for truth in its pure form anymore, there are also overriding factors like reputational damage and so on. And that's bad for science and bad for academic freedom. Yeah, exactly. So the two, there are two issues here at stake. And one is the climate change issue, Correct. which is pretty obvious and we've talked about that. And then the second is the free speech issue. So should this uh, censure hold up, what does that say for the state of freedom of speech in Australia, especially among university uh, academics? Well, well, if, if Peter Ridd loses this case, then it would be a disastrous sign for uh, freedom of speech in Australia and for academic freedom because it shows that even when... And don't forget, I don't think every EBA has an academic freedom clause. I haven't checked every one, but this is this is not a natural right enshrined by legislation. This is a right that the NTEU fought for that may very well be removed from future enterprise bargaining agreements and, and employment contracts. Even then... If Peter Reid loses, it shows that universities can ride roughshod over academic freedom and freedom of speech. Now, look, if this was a private organisation, you could potentially say, look, you know, a private company can do whatever it likes. But a university is not a private institution. It is funded by the taxpayer to the tune of billions of dollars every year. We fund, you know, rightly or wrongly, we give a lot of money to creating these public squares, these places of free intellectual inquiry, the least we can ask for as a society and as taxpayers is for these institutions to do their job and to protect the right of academics to speak out and say what they like. So you went up to Townsville. How was that? That was fantastic. I had a great... I love with going Saul? to the north. With Saul, yeah, we Saul went Saul gets up. to go everywhere. Yeah, he's a travelling man. He, he does, he does. The poor, the poor bloke had to lug, you know, 
10 cases full of electronic equipment. I mean, we didn't do things it. by halves. We really put some production values into it. But Well, that's the thing, because we call Soul Checkbook Soul here at the podcast, <laughs> because uh, there's never been a new AV equipment he didn't want to buy. Yeah. So this Thanks is the downside. Price. Yeah. Um, yeah, correct. Well, no, and it's all coming into good use, I can tell you. The, uh, the video, I must say, if I don't say so myself, is looking excellent. I've Peter Ridd was oh, yeah, a, I've seen a copy. It is fantastic. He was a fantastic subject. Uh, and, and, yeah, we, we spent two days driving around a little barina, uh, sorry, no, it was a Suzuki Swift. Get it right. Um, p- product placement's important. We've sw- sit around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now we've got double. <laughs> two, two products. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the checks are in the mail. Um, so we spent two days driving around getting footage of, uh, you know, we went to the aquarium to get nice stock footage of fishies floating around and we got a bit of footage of me ranting outside JCU on public land, I might add. We didn't actually go into JCU. Uh, and we got some great footage of Peter on his veranda. He was an excellent subject. He's fired up. And uh, he is fighting this fight with every ounce of strength in his body and all the power to him. Yeah, I was going to ask, how is he holding up with it all? Because this must be a pretty scary couple of weeks. I think he's going well. I think it's easier for Peter because he's sort of close to retirement age anyway. Right. If he was a young, and this is the point he makes in the film, if he was a young academic with his career in front of him and, all, and a lot to lose, uh, then you know maybe he, he wouldn't have been able to fight this fight. And, and for every Peter Reed, there may be 10 other people who aren't coming forward, yep. who are remaining silent and are being bullied behind closed doors by university administrators. Yeah, if you are a young academic and you do agree with uh, Rid on all these things, like there is no way you would say anything right now. No, no you, well, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Well, no, you wouldn't go to the lengths that he has to expose this, and unless, that is scary. Unless you wanted to make a video with Gideon. Well, <laughs> goes through the whole that, that'll that's always be the dream for any young academic, <laughs> but until then. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what happens now is there... When's the court case? I know. So the hearing begins Tuesday next week. That is the 26th of March. Yep. I'll be going up there and sitting uh, through all the proceedings and reporting in some form to the IPA oh, daily. Very exciting. So anybody interested in the case can sign up for regular updates at ipa.org.au forward slash Peter Ridd. That's Ridd, R-I-D-D. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll hopefully be keeping people informed because, you know, this is a totemic issue for us. Not is it a, Not only is it about the popular orthodoxy surrounding climate change and the damage to our economy and the country that's coming from that, but it is about the right to speak out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's a case that everybody, you know, freedom likers across the country should uh, should be very, very concerned about. All right, very cool. Let's get rid of these restrictions <laughs> on freedom of speech. Thanks, right, uh, is it too late to put in a new thing at the video to just uh, make that the official hashtag? I think it's just gone out as we go to air, so oh, sorry, Pete. On, uh, yeah, no, but no, it could be a good hashtag, yeah. Yeah. Right. Sounds good. Uh, if you want to watch this video, head on over to the IPA's Facebook page or follow us on Twitter or head to our Instagram page or you can watch it through the IPA website, any of our social media channels. That is how you watch it. Okay, uh, so that's all that. But uh, Gideon, there's another thing that you're working on today, which is just another fresh off the press kind of thing, very fresh off the press kind of show that we're running here. Uh, there are movements today that there is censure moments. Uh, sorry, sorry, there's a censure of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so fresh off the press, I'm still struggling to get my head around it. Oh, correct, Can't aren't we all? Yeah, no, I was a bit late coming down to the studio because uh, I was bang, helping Evan bang out a media release on this. So this is Scott Morrison's calls today in light of you know obvious tragedies overseas to crack down on uh, social media platforms and the internet in general to, in effect, regulate the internet more than it is currently. So this is very, very concerning for, for us and for the cause of freedom and the debate because, look... Any action which incites violence is already illegal. It is illegal to direct somebody or encourage somebody to commit an act of violence, as it should be, because that obviously has terrible consequences, and that should apply whether it's print, online, or on TV or anything else. What concerns me about this debate is we're increasingly seeing calls to regulate so-called hate speech, which may end up 
you know, triggering some lunatic to go off and do something terrible. Um, anything short of incitement to violence, if, if you if you equip the government or give the government licence to crack down on something as subjective as so-called hate speech, it is inevitably a, a, a recipe for censorship. It's, it's, it's a uh, potentially... Uh, it could lead to the censoring of all sorts of views that it doesn't in, intend to, um, and, and frankly, it doesn't work. I mean, piracy websites are easy, to, uh, are banned by court orders and are easy to circumvent. Uh, there's a whole lot of content which is banned that's available on the dark web. What we may see is the censoring of innocuous content, like PragerU, for example, has been yep. blackballed from Facebook. Jacinta Price, uh, last month alone, had her Facebook account suspended twice just because she complained about racial abuse that was directed against her. Um, I, I don't think the tech companies are doing a great job at policing so-called hate speech on their own. I, I don't have any faith in government to do any better. Can I? We've already got hate speech laws, don't we? We have well, we have eighteen C, of course, as and we talk about state a lot. and territory hate speech laws, and we have anti-discrimination laws and and hate speech laws on a state and territory level. Correct. So, what is more, what, what's he talking about adding to all that? We don't know quite yet what he's talking about. It may very well be limited to incitement of violence and and genuinely, um, you know, the genuine facilitation of terrorism online. But what disturbs me about Morrison's calls today is that they're effectively open-ended. And Jacinda Ardern has gone gone farther and and spoken about the need to crack down on platforms that, you know, uh, spread hate speech online. Uh, Again, we cannot... You know, what happened in Christchurch was a terrible attack on the freedom of peaceful Muslims to practice their faith on a Friday night. I don't think it would be fair or just to respond to that attack on freedom with an attack on another freedom, which would be an attack on freedom yeah, of speech. And, and especially like the, some of the people that are getting, uh, you know, quote unquote, blamed for inciting the attack include people like Chelsea Clinton. Like, uh, she was accosted for saying it. So when you start saying, like, okay, we need to stop hate preachers preaching, like, if Chelsea Clinton is your definition of a hate preacher, there are going to be a lot of I people. I mean, people left. Yeah, there are going to be a lot of people caught up in this that shouldn't be. Yeah, correct. And, 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 Last night, you know, we saw our IPA director Janet Albrechtson talk to Chris Kenny about how this has been, how Sky News has been blamed for what happened, which is completely and utterly absurd. I mean, again, we can talk about uh, incitement to violence and how we can better police that, but this seems to be leading in a very, very murky direction when it comes to freedom. We need to be very wary of it. Gideon, thank you so much for coming on the show. Cheers, guys. Thanks, mate. Okay, we now welcome back onto the show Dr. Bella DeBrera. She's clearly said more words on this podcast this year than Pete or I, mm. but the people want Dr. Bella DeBrera, and that is what the people are going to get. Welcome, Dr. Bella DeBrera. Thank you very much. All right, cool. So let's talk about it because this uh, last week was the Children's Climate Rally. Now, we've had a few of these before. This seems to be a pretty big one. So, what did you see? Um, I saw a lot of um, very, very young children not knowing what they were talking about and shouting about, surrounded by um, a lot of parents and teachers, actually, because I was right in the middle of the march on Friday. Now, usually that's the kind of behaviour that we do see in school, but I think the difference was this one was out of school. Out of school, yeah. Now, you made a fantastic video I've, I've watched that was on Instagram. Is that right? Yes, we just thought um, we'd go and see what it was like um, close up mm-hmm. and that I would... I had this idea for you know to do a sort of proper film and a script and everything else, and when we got there, I just realised it was going to be impossible. So we literally just walked a couple of seconds away from the crowd so they were in the background and mm-hmm. we just went, this is just terrible, look yeah, at yeah. these children doing this. And then that was it, we just had one shot. Because it was actually quite stressful, I don't really like... It was it was being in the middle of a mob, essentially, and, and I don't like that atmosphere. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is that there seems to be a whole lot of parents and teachers that are actively encouraging children to get into this mob environment to protest climate. Like, that's the real thing here. That was definitely the real thing. I mean, just from a practical point of view, being there on Friday, you saw so all children were sort of centred around the middle and they'd all been bought by parents or teachers who were sort of standing on the outskirts. It was very much not... You know, it's it's not a children. The, the children are being used as pawns. They, they they haven't got up in the morning and decided that this is what they wanted to do because they really, um, they they haven't they haven't come together by themselves. It's being pushed by by adults. Now I'm surprised that no one recognised you, Bella, because to me you're a hero to thousands, millions, nay millions. No one said, Dr. Bella, you're my hero? They don't read the Australian. Okay. Um, and they they don't that. listen to the uh, Young APA, IPA podcast. What? I know. And actually, I actually, for, at one point, I just went, yay for climate change. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. I was going, this is just the best thing I've ever seen. I'm so proud of all these young people because I didn't want to be assaulted, essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just playing along. <laughs> yeah. So you wrote in an article last week that. A lot of children are taught to be afraid of the climate at school. Why don't you talk through that a little bit for our listeners? Yeah, so um, as I said in the article, that, that you know, it's obviously more fun to have a day out in the sunshine with your friends True. than it is to sit through double maths or double science, which was my personal nightmare as a child, um, followed by double PE. I mean, that was the worst day ever. That's a pretty bad day. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, 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 the fact is that fr- they're... They genuinely believe that the world is going to come to an end in 12 years' time because mm-hmm. this is this this is the narrative that has been pushed on them from sort of prep to, to year 12. Mm-hmm. Um, sustainability is just everywhere in the national curriculum. It's one of these nas- these cross-curriculum priorities that we've been saying for, what, I don't know, six years, just take out of the national curriculum. Um, and, you know, they've even put sustainability into modern languages in the New South Wales curriculum. It's, it's almost impossible to imagine how they've done it but they've actually managed to insert this it's like putting a triangle in a round hole mm-hmm. um sign up to the climate treaty yeah, so, in french so they're getting <laughs> one very simplistic side of this sort of narrative which is capitalism and coal are bad and evil um, and the only solution is to overthrow capitalism and get rid of coal and introduce socialism and, and rely 100% on renewables by 2030. Otherwise, we're all going to go down in a ball of fire or a flood or whatever it is that they're being told at the time. Was there any speeches pointing out that countries that have quite developed set levels of capitalism and quite level, uh, developed levels of coal production are actually better for the environment than countries without it? No, I mean, because there were no speeches. There was just chanting. Um, and and they're not taught, taught any of these things in, in, in the classroom. They're not told about the true cost of renewables. They're not talking talking about how, you know, if we all, if the whole world embraces renewables, it'll cost $2 trillion. And I mean, they're not told any of these things. So there's no question. There's not even a sense of economics. So were there any pro-Trump posters because he's reduced emissions since coming in and no one in the AU has? I don't think anyone would have been brave enough to have put a... Pro Trump, surprising, very surprising, very surprising. <laughs> no mega has. Um, but it was, it was really, you know, there was a group of them. There, there was probably the youngest one was about seven, um, and and they ranged from about seven to nine. There was a sort of group that had been put up on a bit of a higher spot on the outside the the building, and you know they were just putting everything into it and clenching their fists, and they had no idea what they were shouting about. 
See, and that brings me to the thing that I really don't like about it is that when uh, they, they don't know why, like, I don't have a whole lot of problems with the kids that are actually there because, you know, as we say, they're being taught it from yes. prep. Uh, they're given the opportunity to not be at school to the day. So, yes. sign, you know, they would have signed me up to a yep, few exactly. things back in the day. That's right. um, but it's the parents and teachers that are yeah. actively pushing this message. And then, you know, there's even like one principal drove 40 kids to the, pri- yeah. uh, the protest themselves. Like at this point, you have to decide with these teachers, is the primary goal to educate children or to go viral on the internet because you're such a great uh, eco-warrior? Well, it's not to teach the children. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they, they wouldn't have driven 40 miles with how many children in the van. They, I mean, but, you know, this is something that's been around for such a long time and we all know how lefty so many of the teachers are. and They've gone into the education system for a reason and it's not because they're concerned about literacy and numeracy rates in the young they they they're there because they want to shape the minds of the young and they want to to sort of cast them in their own image in a way um, as, as social justice warriors and echo warriors and everything else and it's it's clearly been happening and that this was the evidence on Friday. Mm. So a bit suspicious that you took the opportunity to head down there on a Friday as well, Bella. Well, you know, life can be a bit tough at tough at the old IPA sitting behind the desk sometimes. Any chance to. Get out Excuse of the sunshine. <laughs> I just didn't realise how hot that sunshine was going to be and I got very grumpy. Yeah, well, it's um, the climate change, I keep telling you. And Saul said that he just saw my face, decided that the best course of action was just not to talk to me the whole time we were there in case I said anything terrible or got cross. So we, I was just following him around in silence while I was taking all this B-roll. Yeah. Saul is our magnificent videographer for those. <laughs> yes, and uh, clinical psychiatrist here at the IPA He was actually well. right. Yeah, I also like the idea of like the sun's beaming down, you're getting extremely angry, and you just see a teacher and you're like, <laughs> Saul, roll the camera, this is going to get pretty hot. Uh, In um, another world, I might have done that. Yeah, exactly. Life. All right, so we're getting pretty doom and gloom here, but mm. we should point out that there are a lot of students that you're interacting with and a lot of teachers that you're interacting with that are st- trying to break free of the group think about this all. So do you want to tell any recent experiences you've had with that? Well, I've had a lot of comments back from um, teachers and, and parents who deliberately didn't take their children to the to the rally. Um, so there were a lot of children who weren't there and I noticed there were a lot of, um, not many uniforms, so there was, a, uh, there was a particular type of school representation there. Um, a lot of them had sort of um, Fitzroy North Primary School, <coughs> Brunswick East Secondary School and stuff. Yeah, so it for was non-Melbourne listeners, they're the very, very uh, lefty, lefty in the suburbs. Yeah, so they came from a very lefty area, you could sort of tell. So I think mostly um, people who... I don't think, obviously not every child in Australia was there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, All right, so I've got a question. So you obviously had a magnificent piece. Was in the Australian on Friday? Is that right? Yes. Yep. Uh, Neo-paganistic. Talk us through that. Um, What a word. It is, it's the idea of... um, Sorry. Some context to the listeners (laughs) that might not have read the article. That was just the word neo-paganistic. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bella, explain what... We'll explain what she means oh, by right, that. Okay. But well, it's a re- it's it's the idea that um, it's earth worship, oh, okay, yeah, rather yeah. than um, the worship of a, of, of a god or gods. Yeah. So you're going back to a sort of a paganist idea of um, you know the mother earth and um, the spirituality in stones and and the river and the sea, um, and and that's what we have to worship and that's what we have to be, um, mm-hmm. and that's and that's part of this sort of this. This it's it's a neo paganist idea of 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 rejection of a, the idea of a of a creator and a God, um, and rather we have to worship Mother Earth. Did it feel good to write it? Very good. I like to slip these words in. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to use it. <laughs> for, I'm going to use it 
before next week. All right, cool. <laughs> For all the Pete's uh, <laughs> times that neopaganism comes up <laughs> well, in Pete's life, he finally has a word to well, put I mean, to it's, the it's, feeling. Well, I mean, it's very present now in society. Yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll move on to another area. Now, uh, we don't want to tease this out too much because you are thinking of turning this into an article, but you have been doing some reading on the subject of... Okay, I'm blanking on the word. What was it again? Inter- oh. in- it's multi-species justice. Multi-species justice. It's... It, it's um, it comes from a term called speciesism, which is now um, in the same sort of group as being a racist or a bigot. So if you're, you can be speciesist. Um, so if you don't afford a hamster the same rights as a human being, then you're being speciesist. And is uh, that um, unpack that for me? Um, so like, like what rights is it? Like is it rights to a fair trial? Fair, that's what right. we're talking about. Rights to a fair trial. Rights to. Rights not, to justice. Not being eaten? Not being eaten, <laughs> okay. exactly. So I don't know if that's a human right. Is that a human right? Yeah. <laughs> it, well, yes. It's in, yeah. it's Are you a eating right. hamsters, Pete, <laughs> by the way? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not not for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Those days are behind you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a difficult time. <laughs> and it was difficult to digest them in the end. That's right. So um, so this is the next big thing that's coming. This is this has been around for a while, but it's now actually being funded um, and is a serious uh, research theme at the University of Sydney, right? Um, which was announced last week. Because this is where it gets into something you were telling me off air, which is you can't really refer to dogs as pets anymore because that implies ownership. Yes, and, and, and slavery, yes. That, that idea that, that they have the same rights as, as we do not to be enslaved. Yeah. So they see keeping a pet as enslaving the dog or enslaving the cat. So you have to call, <laughs> you have to refer to your cat as your roommate. <laughs> Well, I know people that probably do that anyway. Oh, and you're not allowed to misgender them either. You can't call your dog or your cat it. It has to be really? he or she. And if you ref- if you live in a house with, say, two cats, a dog, um, and and two people, you have to say, I live with um, five people. You have to refer to them all as people. Right. Even the animals. That's well, a pretty crowded share house. That is, like, it yeah. is. a five-person share house. They better be paying their rent. My, yeah. The guy that lives upstairs in my flat currently has a mouse that looks at him through the hole. A spider and two cats. So that's 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 a lot of people in that. Well, house. That's a crowded, crowded room. <laughs> With rights come responsibilities. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, look, it's madness, and I'm and I'm I'm trying to work out a um, an angle a, on an it. angle. Yep. It's well, it's a very easy angle, but <laughs> it's, it's a pretty it's funny. <laughs> angle. It's a pretty I think we just wrote angle. the article. You just need to read did. the transcript back and send it into the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> I will. All right, cool. So let's. Uh, if people want to learn more about Bella's views on the climate protest, as Pete pointed out, she has an article in the Australian. You can mm-hmm. also read that on the IPA website and head on over to our Instagram page to watch Bella at the climate protest, giving you the scoop from the street and right. getting into work. Yeah, uh, <laughs> getting out of work. <laughs> getting out of double P- maths. Pete is all over you on that one. <laughs> yeah, you missed out on double maths here at the IPA. Yes. It's, all, it's very important for us to get Kurt to beef us up on economics. <laughs> Boy, that's some struggle sessions <laughs> on Friday. All right, uh, Bella, we'll see you again in two weeks' time, probably. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Bella. Thanks. Okay, thank you too, Bella and Gideon, for those interviews. Very interesting stuff. And make sure you're heading over to the website to read all about it. So Check out that Ped Rid video as well. Yes, uh, that is coming out today. So uh, make sure you're across all of our social media channels where you can watch it. All right, uh, let's get into some stories that made us laugh this week. So uh, I want to start off with uh, a good friend of the show. Well, he's never been on the show, but we have made fun of him before. Brian Stelter, he is the anchor of Reliable Sources on CNN and also the chief media correspondent. Good he, friend of the show. Good friend of the show. Great for content. He is one of the leading uh, 
Light against Donald Trump, very big on the fact that he should resign, <laughs> sir. Well, he sounds um, like a really brave individual. Yeah, uh, and so Reliable Sources is basically, like, a lot of his job is keeping the media honest, would be one of the things that he does there. Like Media Watch in Australia? Like Media Watch in Australia, uh, yeah, just making sure he's the, he's the watchdog of the internet. So uh, you would have thought he would have been all over this latest story, uh, but apparently he wasn't. So um, you guys might remember there was that uh, story that... Fox apparently had the Stormy Daniels, Donald Trump affair story before the election. They killed it, and that was a big scandal. And now it's come out that Beto O'Rourke, who's just announced that he's going to be running for the Democratic candidacy, and boy, is that going to be a campaign to watch because he can be quite cringeworthy at times. Uh, he has been. It's been found out that he used to be a member of an elite hacking group. Um, really? It's a really funny name if I can find it. But um, uh, anyway, so he was a member of an elite hacking group, like- and... Anonymous, whatever they're called. No, uh, yeah, sort of like that, but like a different kind of thing. Okay. Anyway, it would be a big story that a Democratic candidate would be a expert computer hacker. Uh, and basically the reporter, Joseph Mann, had decided to kill a story because uh, he just, you know, uh, Beto O'Rourke agreed to t- talk about it as long as the story would come out after the election. And so someone pointed out on Twitter that, well, Brian Stelter, the guy that was all over the Fox Stormy Daniels thing, should also therefore be all over this thing about Beto O'Rourke. And so Brian Stelter has tweeted out, reporters who are writing books sometimes hold back certain info until their book comes out. That's what the reporter says happened in this case. Book deal situations are definitely complicated. The Fox Stormy situation didn't involve a book. What's your proposal? No books. Now, Pete, would you like to... All right, so 19 retweets, 38 favourites. Would you like to guess how many replies? Um, so this is what they call, the kids call being ratioed. Being ratioed. Uh, I would say 300, James. Uh, you'd be wrong. It is 1,400 okay. uh, across 19 retweets. That is a hell of a ratio. That's a smashing. Uh, and people are all over it. Mm-hmm. But I want to point out that all Brian is doing is pointing out an old journalistic saying, which is when my side does it, it is good. And when the other side does it, it is bad. Well, who can, who can fight that? Don't don't you want books? Don't you want books? <laughs> like, no, but the, I mean the thing you, you say what you want about this guy, but he's impartial. Yeah, exactly. Know? He's always going to be on the side of people that he, he just likes. he just gives people the facts, and you can go on with it from that. <laughs> All right, so you leave I him just, alone. I just like that idea. I'm just like, ah, oh, he's writing a book about it. Like you know, doesn't matter. Don't matter. It's a book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the most newsworthy thing about when you find a major story is to write a book that comes out 12 months later about it. Yeah. That's what you do with major news programs. It's like, come on, come on, you peasant. No He's one writing co- a book. No okay? one covered the fall of the Berlin Wall for a year because they all had book deals. That's they right. didn't want to give it away. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, look, come on, people out there, just realise. <laughs> just, just have a bloody think about it. writing a book. All right. writing a book. All right. All right, what do you want to do? Uh, whatever you want to do, mate. Well, do you know what? I love this story during the week. Yep. What is it? Bags. <laughs> the thing about this, right? I love, I love research. Oh, straw man research. Academic. Wait, no, straw man arguments was the old thing about plastic straws and how they should yeah. have been banned. So I think that, that became into plastic in general. Yeah, it became plastic wide bags, issue. Bags came out. Well, so. we'll have to throw to Nina after this. See what she thinks. Yep. Piece in the conversation, which and we love the conversation here at the IPA. Yep. You know, we're, that is we're, a website, not the concept of having a conversation. Big, oh no. No, no. Big, big supporter of the conversation. Uh, so Rebecca Taylor, University of Sydney, she works at the University of Sydney, last week wrote a, uh, a piece about her own research, always a good idea, mm-hmm. which examines how single-use plastic bags are used for different things apart from simply shopping. Yep. So, you know, you use a single-use plastic bag to buy your um, frozen chicken nuggets. Yes. You also might then go on to use that plastic bag as a bin liner. Interesting. Or to pick up dog poo. Yes. 
so, but that's not included in any of the calculations we make about whether or not plastic bags are hurting the environment. So what, this, what Rebecca Taylor did was did a bit of research to find out the impact that banning plastic bag has on uh, garbage bag sales. Right. Because people use them for bin liners. Yes. Yep, you understand. I use them to uh, really cram the cabinet underneath my sink. Yeah. That's what I mainly hold use plastic bags for. Yeah. So she found, so she examined uh, California where there is plastic bag bans, and f- and she found that a plastic ban, ban difficult to say, yeah, caused, you are a, really struggling with that one. caused a 120% increase in the sale of small garbage bags, a 64% increase in the sale of medium garbage bags, and a 6% increase in the sale of large Garbage bags. Previously, it was thought by the UK government's own research Ooh. that a cotton carryout bag would have to be used 131 times uh, to instead of one-time plastic bags to have a net benefit for global warming. This research indicates that actually that number is closer to 327 times. Right, but it's about the environment. It's not about it cost. A hundred percent about not, the environment. It's not about increasing the profits of yes, the giant corporations that are getting you to pay for plastic bags have no other intention. Than Apart from protecting penguins. Yep. And, you know, get with the program. Get with the program. 327 times. Make sure you use your bags 327 times each. Yep. Otherwise, you are a climate criminal. Criminal. Yep. Uh, and should be thrown in prison. Otherwise, we'll put the kids on you. Unless you have a book deal, in which yep. case that's okay. Yep. Um, but that is the thing. Like, uh, this is what these children are talking about. Yeah. So it's it's always a thing of like we do these policies that make it look so good on paper about how much we're doing for the environment and then no one wants to do any of the supplementary research yeah. from the government. Like I know this uh, journalist has done it, but like from the government to go like, well, what are the other plastic bag uses that we're going to do? But, yep. you know, it looks great in a headline. Plastic mm. bags banned. Well, there you go. World saved. Penguins Penguins are okay now. There's no such thing as unintended consequences. Never has been, never will be. And I find anyone that brings it up. Uh, now uh, I'll move on to another one. So, latest in the long, uh, in the increasingly long line of people digging up what dead celebrities once said and criticizing them. So, it does give uh, us something to talk about, though. Does give us something to talk about. So, a while back we had John Wayne, action movie star in the fifties, and how surprising it was that he didn't have uh, the most progressive views on African Americans. Uh, who, who would have thought that would have been the case? Um, but now we've got Maya Angelou, so famous poet and civil rights activist Maya Angelou. Video came up from about 30 years ago of her on a TV show and a young woman, about 16 years old, said uh, wanted to ask Maya's view on interracial dating. And uh, she said, particularly, I want to ask Maya's views. And then Maya Angelou res- uh, responded, thank you. And first, I'm Miss Angelou, not Maya. I'm 62 years old. I've lived so long and tried so hard that a young woman like you or any other has no license to come up to me and call me by my first name. And then she went on to respond to the question. Hmm. Do you um, realise during that you actually just referred to her as Maya? Yeah, I know. So I deserve it. Yeah, well, sorry, my Angelo will be having a few words to say to me about that. Uh, but the point is, so this became a thing of like, well, how dare she respond to someone that way? And it's, again, it's just, they're dead. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? I'll read you a couple of tweets. Yeah. My Angelo did not have to read this innocent girl down on national television like that. Yep. That's a good example of what you're talking about. Uh, this has me reliving all the cringeworthy times I responded with, yes, ma'am. When a lady has told me to stop calling her ma'am and now I want to crawl under a rock and die. Thanks a lot, guys. So that's the kind of stuff James is talking about yeah, here. It became a trending thing on Twitter, just like, um, you know, you can go after John Wayne, that is one thing, but to go after Maya Angelou is just like, are we really at that point she's now? A civil rights activist. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the person you want to ha- have a go at. And call her ma'am. Like, she's, yeah. 
She's not your, like, you don't know her. Yeah. Anyway, I thought, I mean, look, I can't wait until I'm old and grumpy and just <laughs> shut people down like that. But I'm fine with it, you know. If, I'm, I'm, I'm mean, pretty grumpy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm getting old. Yeah. Like, you know, every oh. day. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, all right. So I know, Pete, uh, you're big on podcast rules. Uh, <laughs> what is it? No deal, no worries, I think was one of their yeah. rules. Policy. Uh, policy, sorry. Yeah. Podcast policies. Uh, I want to introduce a new policy, if I may. I've never laid down a policy. So okay. this is quite the experience for really? me. But I want to lay down a policy of uh, can we leave dead people alone? Wow. No more digging up old tweets of people who were dead. And maybe people who are still alive. Not necessarily. It's the old digging up of tweets I don't like. It's good public interest. Is it? It's more... Who, whose day was changed? <laughs> it's like, whose opinion said, John Wayne changed? Yeah, I know. No, look. Um, but I mean, reading people's... Like... You see, it's not it's the reaction. Yeah. It's the reaction to them. We can go through people's things, things people have said and done in the past. That's interesting and worthwhile. But like you know, eviscerating people for standards we have today that we don't have, okay. didn't have back then. So you're only doing it because it encourages people to come forward with bad views. Now. <laughs> I'm saying- We're both talking past like, each other. But if you- Are we? I don't know if we're quite connected. Well, that. I think if you're saying that, you know, we can't go through people's old tweets, yeah. then, I mean, that's just like, let's just not read any history. No, but like, there's a difference between history and like- hey, we've got this figure that everyone loves and they're mm. dead and can't fight back about it. So let's see what they found out about, you know, like let's see how they felt about being referred to by their first name and mm. then reassess their legacy based on that. Yeah. That is where I'm just like, can we collectively, uh, maybe log out from Twitter. Maybe that's my- It's the hysterical reaction. Yeah. I think we're in furious agreement, sort of. Okay, kind of. Let's still, let's punch on outside the studio. <laughs> it seems a bit uh, rash, but okay. Uh, so <laughs> do, a punch on. do you want to talk about murals? Let's do it. So in Arlington, Virginia this week, county officials have told a pizzeria, 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 pizzeria even. <laughs> of all the people to get the word pizzeria wrong. It sounded too much like my name. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, so they told the, what is it again? Pizzeria to paint over a mural they've put up outside on the wall of their establishment. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. I ask you. Because it depicts pizza. Yes. In Arlington, Virginia, no, no mural painted on the outside of a business may depict the products sold inside. I was wondering why that would be. I have, Otherwise, it'd be pure anarchy. I thought, you know, yeah, I can see why they'd do that. I thought it might be some kind of um, puritanical rule in uh, terms of certain things, but it was actually from, they just think that it's meant to protect the country, the county's aesthetic. Right. By not having advertising everywhere and prevent drivers from being distracted. <laughs> I thought How they many crashes want have been caused? By people looking at a pizzeria. I thought it would have started because some strip club like put a painting up nope. and they said we can't have that. No. But uh, it's not that. It's just we don't want people. Yeah, I, I, I think we can. Uh, the only possible course of action at that point is to ban advertising. You can't have, like, if, if you can't have a mural well, depicting yeah. your products, you can't also therefore have the name of your establishment or any indication of what you sell in written form either. The whole town should just be uh, blank doors. And you just go in and hope for the best. Just got to guess. It's like, look, I'm going out for groceries. I could be gone 10 minutes. I could be gone four and a half hours. This might be a pizzeria or it might be a house <laughs> yeah. or it might be... Another bookshop. Another Great. bloody I'm bookshop. I'm so hungry. So I'm in a damn bookshop. Pull your finger out, I can't Arlington. leave because I've made eyes with the person behind the <laughs> counter and it'd be rude if I left right now. Yeah. Do you, you feel stuff like that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well... I could just leave. I'm here for two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, pull your finger out, Arlington, Virginia, because... You know, that's garbage. All right, cool. Uh, now, that is it for the show this week, unless, Pete, you've got any more that you want to talk about? Uh, oh, wait, I do have one here. So uh, 
This comes from good friend of the show, Scott Hargraves, host of the IPA's Looking Forward podcast. And he is uh, he posted up uh, an, a fu- study from the Young America's Foundation on uh, the worst, just most cringeworthy university course titles that there are in the That's USA. Right. Yeah, okay. So uh, I had a look through some of them. And Pete, you uh, here's the game. Mm-hmm. You have to choose one of the three to sit through an entire semester of. Okay. And you have to go to every lecture. Oh. And you have to go submit to every coursework. It's unrealistic. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so it's a new one for you. All right, so you've got a choice of three. You've got Swarthmore College's Queering the Bible. You've got Middlebury College's Beyond Inter- Intersectionality, Developing Anti-Racist and Anti-Capitalist Feminisms at Middlebury College. And the University of Minnesota's Marks for Today, which sounds like uh, an advertisement, really. Marks for Today. It's tough. Updated. All right, choose one. Nina, because choose one. What's this? What's can you, can you read out again? That's all you got. All these. You've got <laughs> like querying the Bible. There's, there's like so much words there. Querying yeah. the Bible. Are, are you telling me that university courses have too many words to make themselves sound smart? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, querying the Bible, Beyond Intersectionality, Developing Anti-Racist and Anti-Capitalist Feminisms, and Marks for Today. Oh, go first, please. You go first. Second one. Yep. Beyond intersectionality, developing anti-racist and anti-capitalist feminisms. I like saying it. Because... <laughs> um, so many words. I legitimately don't really know what that would be about. I so have no I idea. Think. What's an anti-racist, uh, anti-racist feminism? Well, what's beyond inter- intersectionality? Well, yeah, we're still struggling with intersectionality. Well, I mean, we're already beyond that. Give us a chance. <laughs> we're, still, we're still grappling with that one. We're already beyond it. Yeah, so I mean, It's in the past, mate. So I would like to see what they think is beyond right, intersectionality. Cool. Nana, what do you think? Uh, just based... On the name, I'll choose three. Yeah, I'm going marks for today as well. Yeah. I want to see 10 weeks of people trying not to mention the word Venezuela. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite good. Yeah. yeah. 10 weeks of people going like, if only there was some country that would adopt socialist principles. Yeah. Yep. And then just the pregnant pause afterwards where everyone's collectively yeah. thinking Venezuela, but yeah. no one wants to say it. Yeah. How do you, you do say it? it? Yeah. How do you deal with that? All right, that is it for the show this week. Thank you again to Gideon Rosner and Dr. Bella DeBerra for the interviews. Very interesting stuff. Head on over to ipa.org.au to read Bella's articles and head on over to our Instagram page, our Facebook page, our Twitter feed, anything you want to watch the video of the Peter Ridd uh, court case and also Dr. Bella live at the children's climate protests. Uh, So thank you guys so much for listening and downloading. you know, we've come past 100 episodes now. We can only do that with all of our listeners listening every single week. So thanks so much for doing that. Make sure you're subscribed on any of the platforms uh, that we uh, that you can use to listen through podcasts. If you are listening through our website, thanks so much. But it would be so much easier for you and better for us if you made us part of your feed on any of the podcasts apps you use. I'm talking Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Premium, anything that you want. Uh, and keep spreading the word about the show. The best way to grow a show is to uh, is through word of mouth. So make sure you're telling all your political friends and family members about the show. Even and non-political friends. Yeah, especially non-political friends. Get them involved. Uh, and if you are listening through iTunes or Apple Podcasts, make sure you're leaving us a five-star review. It really helps us out bringing new people to the show as well. And make sure you're listening to the IPA's new podcast, The Looking Forward Podcast, with Dr. Scott, uh, Dr. Chris Berg and Scott Hargraves. Uh, really interesting long discussions on some of the major issues facing Australia today. Uh, and you can listen through that through any podcast platform and make sure you're also leaving that a five-star review. Nina, if people want to join the IPA, where can they go? And they already are a member of the IPA. What can they do? Well, just visit the website, ipa.org.au. Um, if you'd like to um, help us by donating, just click on the donate button. But if you'd like to become a member instead, or you have a friend who wants to be a member, just click on the join button and starting as low as $22 per year, you can become one of the loudest voice of freedom in Australia. Cool. All right. See you guys next week. See ya.
Your cherish you, my love.